Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, August 15th. When conversing with people, look at a point in their foreheads between the eyebrows rather than staring too directly into their eyes. To gaze too fixedly in their eyes may seem an intrusion. If, on the other hand, you look at the floor or at the ground, people may think you resent them. And if you look off to the side, they may think you can't wait to get away from them. If you look up at the ceiling or the sky, they may suppose you are pondering a point, but if you ponder it too long, it will seem to them that, for you, they have ceased to exist. If then you gaze at them in the spiritual eye, you may help also to uplift their consciousness. Again, I can't help but noticing how much of this book is about getting along with people because we are not trained in this society to get along with people. In our Education for Life schools, which is something that uh, Swamiji helped us develop from Master's ideals, um, the Ananda schools are called Living Wisdom schools, getting along with people is just a huge part of what we help young people to master. Because when we go out into the world, we're just completely at sea. Nobody's ever told us how to get along. We don't know how to be married. We don't know how to be friends. We don't know how to be a boss. We don't know how to be an employee. We barely know how to be a friend. I mean, we're lucky if we have good karma or good families or good luck, good mentors. We can learn something. But it's, it's the most important life skill. And it's just, it's just left out with this absurd preoccupation with intellectual stuff, most of which will be out of date or obsolete by the time we become adults. But if we know how to get along with people, then we'll always be able to move through life dynamically and effectively. It's it's a fact. Any adult person who thinks about it knows that, plus the fulfillment of it. So Swami here is, is talking about something just so interesting, which is when you converse with someone, where do you look? And it's actually, it's quite fun. See, all of these things when Swami's describing this, and a few days ago, a few days earlier in, in this month, it was about the sound of people's voices, what we make our voices sound like. We, we need to observe humanity. So for the sake not only of knowing how to relate to people, but also we observe humanity because we see in others, we see ourselves. It's often very difficult to see ourselves, but if you see a mannerism or a style or a way of doing something in someone else, and if you pay attention to the effect that it creates... You can extrapolate from that, that if I'm doing that or something similar, it's having the same effect on other people. And sometimes the mystery of why, why things do and don't happen for us um, can be solved with a common sense observation of cause and effect as you see it acted out in others. This, among countless other things, is the enormous benefit of living in community. We have long, close associations with many other people and we can learn an enormous amount about human, human life and how to conduct ourselves. 
So now Swami is talking about when you talk to someone, where do you look? And I, you know, I had I have to think about this because I like to look into people's eyes when I'm talking to them, um, but I I actually realize I don't I don't um, gaze fixedly. That's how Swami puts it, and we've all know people who gaze fixedly, you know, and just sort of try to lose themselves. Sometimes it's people do it on purpose, and it it does. How does he put it? It's an intrusion. That's the word. You feel like you've sort of lost your freedom because they're just leaning into you. And it's, it's an attitude also of sort of wanting, you know, so for wanting an intimacy with you that may not yet be mutual. They're trying to, to force an intimacy that may not yet be mutual. But it's also very important when you talk to people. So the word fixedly is important. You need to be able to look people in the eye and just talk to them in a natural way without feeling yourself um, invaded or exposed. And if you're not able to look people in the eye, one, one needs to develop that ability and to discover within oneself what it is that's making you so uncomfortable. But the, the solution that Swami gives is an extremely subtle one. Um, in the Bible it says, if thine eye be single, thy whole body is full of light, which is a very esoteric reference to something which is widely known and understood in yoga. When you look with the two physical eyes, this world is, du- is, is duality, from the single stillness, absolute stillness of spirit, spirit vibrates, creates the vibration. And in St. John, it says, in the beginning was the word, so that vibration is the sound of Om. And in Genesis, God said, let there be light. So that vibration is also light. Because when the physicists now are really taking apart this world, we discover that light is, is, the, is the underlying reality of everything that we think of as matter. It, it's energy and then it becomes light. And the vibration of Om is the mechanism by which all of that happens. That's very simplistic because I'm not capable of explaining it more clearly than that. But light is the, is, the, um, is the foundation point. So when we look with two eyes, we see the material world. We see light and dark. We see day and night. We see men and women. We see sadness and happiness. We see life and death. We well, you know all the dualities. Everything is dual. It's, it's morning now, and then it will be night. And then it's night, and then it will be morning. It never chooses one and stays there, because that's the material world we see with these two eyes. When we meditate, we close these two eyes, we cease looking at the material world, we focus our attention at the point between the eyebrows, which is not crossing your eyes and rolling your eyes back into your head. It's looking out toward the horizon line and slightly above the horizon line. This is the esoteric teaching of how to meditate. Gazing, you're not gazing at the spiritual eye, you're looking through it. And when you look through it, your consciousness automatically goes upward and your physical eyes actually raise. The position, the appropriate position for meditating is eyes slightly raised, gaze in front of you to the natural point where your eyes would come into one point, not, as I said, rolling them back in an unnatural way. And that's the spiritual eye. That's where all of the lower, all of the chakras merge into our true reality, which is 
our relationship with the divine. And the ego self, which is centered at the medulla, shifts, the point of self shifts from being identified with limitation to be being identified with infinity. Um, I have a four-part class on the chakras on my YouTube channel, and there are many other ways you can learn about it. That's a very brief thing, just to understand what the spiritual eye is. The more we live at the spiritual eye, the more our life is guided from a higher perspective. We still live in this world completely. All of the chakras down to the earth chakra are still activated, but when we act in the material world, we're acting from the wisdom of our relationship to the infinite. So from the infinite we descend, but but when we're, we're acting from the spiritual eye, we're acting in harmony with the infinite in our life in this world. Because great masters, fully self-realized masters, incarnate in bodies and operate through them. We need to learn to operate through them, but they're run from the spiritual eye. So in ourselves, when we meditate, we're trying to, to shift all of our energy to that point. And that's what everyone is trying to do, even if they have absolutely no awareness of it. You don't have to be conscious with your intellectual mind for your higher self to be drawn and to be moving you in this direction. So we can serve everyone by giving energy to their spiritual eye because tremendous amount of magnetism can be exchanged between people. So what we want to energize in people is not their downward-pulling limited self, but their divine potential also to live in relationship to infinity. So when you're talking with someone, when Swami says to, to talk to their spiritual eye, you can, you can talk to someone's spiritual eye and still remain in contact with their eyes. It's just that instead of staring into the limited part, your, your, your focus is here. You'll you have to experiment, but you'll understand what I mean. So that you're also seeing them as more than just the duality. But your eyes are focused on them all the time. They can see your eyes and you can see theirs. But you're, what you're actually doing is you're adding. But the, the nature of that impersonalizes it slightly because now it's soul to soul. And also when, when you're relating to someone that way, you're also relating somewhat from your own spiritual eye. So instead of actually using your physical eyes to see them, you're actually using your spiritual eye to see them now. Swamiji has spoken at different times about just seeing us all as light. And Master talks about saying, if you could see yourself as I see you, you would see that you are nothing but beautiful light. Now, most of us uh, are not so lost in the realm of the spirit that all we see when we look at each other is light. If you do... Uh, be deeply grateful to God for that, for the experience and the capability to do that. But most of us, when we're looking at the spiritual eye, we're also in the material world, and we're just sort of doing all of it simultaneously. And people will feel uplifted in your presence without knowing why. I have to say, and and this was not from a specific practice like this, but it was from a lifelong habit my parents, um, they, they never, except briefly, 
rebelled against my life choices or tried to change them. Once in a while they would, at different times they would poke a little, but they never really did. They were really very supportive. And I was very grateful for that. But they didn't really get it at all. Uh, my father tried and was more informed, and, but they, they just wasn't, it wasn't for them. I think the good karma of the life that I've lived because, of course, they raised me and helped form my character, and then I've taken what they gave me in my upbringing and used it as best I could to help others. They get good karma for that, and in a wonderful way, my, my father, my mother inherited some money, and my father worked hard, especially at the end of his life, and, and became, became successful at his business. He wasn't a millionaire by any means, but he gave me sufficient money which a lot of it which I gave to Swamiji to use for his work and have used to publish the books that I've written and a number of other things. So my parents also got that good karma because their efforts through me have gone out to actually help many, 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 many people. Still, in this life they haven't been on the path and next life maybe they will be. But at the end of uh, my mother's life, she said to me, I mean, you have to sort of understand that, anyway, my mother, my mother liked me. My mother loved me deeply. But she never saw me in the way that others saw me. For example, I was talking to them once, and they were just completely ignoring me, just completely disregarding what I was saying. And my mother knew that a lot of people listened to me. And so she sort of said something that she wasn't going to listen to me. And I laughed and I said, oh, Mother, you have no idea how relaxing that is. So many people take what I say so seriously. I said, what a pleasure to be somewhere where I'm utterly disregarded. <laughs> and I really meant it. I didn't need anything from them. So, why, you know, so I'll just give them what they want. They're not asking. Why should I be pushing? But at the end of her life, my mother said, God bless her. She said to me, I don't know why, but I just like having you around. I feel good when you're around. And she sort of, she did just what Swami said. She sort of gazed off like this and said, maybe it's because of what you're doing. (laughs) And I just said, maybe, Mother. I'm just happy that you like having me around. Again, I didn't need anything, but I I was touched. But the end point of this is people don't have to know what you're doing. And, and when you're looking at the spiritual eye, you're not staring at the forehead in the same fixed manner that you would stare in someone's eyes. You're just conscious of the fact that this is a spiritual being in front of me. And I, I want to support that spiritual being. And I'm not trying to get anything from, from you. I'm not trying to invade your space. I'm not trying to take, take over. I'm not trying to be more intimate with you than you want me to be. You know, I can, I can rest within my own spiritual awareness and relate to that spiritual awareness in you, even if we're just talking about mundane things. Swamiji said some of the most inspiring experiences sometimes he had with Master was just sitting in a meeting when he was talking about mundane things. Because for Master, there was nothing that was mundane. Everything was an expression of spirit. And Master didn't, you know, he didn't say, Lo... Let us plant tomatoes on the hillside. You know, God speaketh and we should plant tomatoes. He would just talk in a very natural way about planting tomatoes. But within himself, there was always this continuous flow of the Spirit. 
So that's what Swami is suggesting to us. You know, pay attention to how we can help people. Pay attention to the effect we're having on people. And, you know, Swami is so amusing about all these different ways that we can make our interactions with people confusing. And also, once you start watching yourself, it's very interesting to watch how we withdraw or get afraid. You know, we, and we talk to the ceiling. I mean, I observe it in people. Somebody starts talking to me, and then they start talking to the ceiling. And as soon as they start talking to the ceiling, I can tell they're not really talking to me anymore. They're just talking. That's where Swami writes it. For them, you have ceased to exist. That because they've, now they've become enamored with their own thoughts, and they're just explaining their thoughts. To whom, I'm not sure. But they're just explaining their thoughts. And if their thoughts are interesting, you know, I can enjoy that. I don't need anything. I don't need people to acknowledge me. But why, when you start a conversation with someone, do you start having it with a spot on the wall? You know, if you wanted to talk to the spot on the wall, why, why invite anybody over? What, what is going on in, in my heart that keeps me from doing that or that keeps me, from look, what keeps me looking at the floor the whole time? So these are things that not only teach us, our, our net, when we observe our inclinations, we learn something about ourselves that we might not know, some compulsive behavior, some fear that we're covering that is worth uncovering and trying to master. And then we master it by changing our behavior, and then we affirm right attitude, and actually first you pretend and then you become. We, we gain the vibration within ourselves that that right action will create. So Swami says, When conversing with people, look at a point in their foreheads between the eyebrows rather than staring too directly into their eyes. To gaze too fixedly in their eyes may seem like an intrusion. If, on the other hand, you look at the floor or at the ground, people may think you resent them. And if you look off to the side, they may think you can't wait to get away from them. If you look up at the ceiling or at the sky, they may suppose you are pondering a point. But if you ponder it too long, it will seem to them that, for you, they have ceased to exist. If, then you gaze at them in the spiritual eye, you may help also to uplift their consciousness. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.